would think to hear a word of doom from a prophet like that. And then something happened 
in the midst of all this, and she's got her thing, she's ready to go, the kids aren't ready yet. Um, some, some employee came up and, and, and said, um, ma'am, um, you're gonna have to pay for these. Uh, it turns out that some of her kids saw some nice flowers and thought, well, I gotta show these to mom. They just picked them. Uh, and big handfuls. Hi, mommy, these are nice, let's get these. And now mom's thinking about how much is that gonna cost me? Told you not to touch anything, right? Isn't that what we do? Don't touch anything. Stay close to mom, don't touch anything. They're scattered all over the place, and they pulled these things, and now she's got angry with them, and now the kids are crying. And what's supposed to be this wonderful outing with the kids and all these plans about teaching about God and creation and all this, it's gone bad. She had this wonderful dream, this wonderful vision of what this is going to be like. And on the way, to make it worse, on the way to the cash register, one of them knocked over a pot. Really expensive one. Of course it would be. Just add that to your bill, ma'am. And she gets home. Her dream for this wonderful thing just didn't turn out. Didn't turn out. And by that time, her husband had gotten home. And he saw how beaten down and disappointed she was. And, and he looked at her and, and she said, you know, all I wanted was some peace and quiet and beautiful flowers. He said, dear, they call that the funeral. <laughs> but we have dreams. We have hope. We have, we have, we have this desire that, that we be able to experience something of God's abundance and God's love in our lives, and we struggle to make that become realized. I think God has a dream. I think God has a dream. When you crack open the Bible, that very first text you come to, the story of Genesis and creation, you can look at that as God's dream for God's creation. God's dream. Because it says that God in the beginning took what was chaos. Chaos represents evil and death and disorder and destruction. And God took all that stuff that is not life-giving and worked with it controlled it, shaped it, molded it, and brought forth life. He divided the heavens from the earth and the waters and the sea from the land and brought forth all kinds of vegetation and fruit trees. And then he created the birds and gave them the air and put the fish in the sea and the land animals on the land. And he said over and over again, this is good. God is a God of life. God is a God who provides the things we need. Gave us all the food we could possibly need. And gave us a purpose by putting us in that garden. And telling us the purpose of your life is to spend time with me and to take care of all of this. And he said all this is very good. That is God's dream for God's creation. Where there would be no violence. There would be no hunger, no loneliness. And all the brokenness in our world and the things that we frankly can't even talk about 
because they're so divisive. None of that was part of God's dream. The first prophet we come to in Scripture, the first one we come to who is going to remind us that we've lost God's dream is the prophet Isaiah. The first prophet in our scriptures. And at the very beginning of his work, the very beginning of that, God speaks to him, and the words out of his mouth, you rulers of Sodom, he's calling out our political leaders and our church leaders. You rulers of Sodom, and the people don't escape judgment either. You people of Gomorrah. Is that a good thing? Hey, I think he's complimenting us. What do those cities represent? Judgment, God's judgment on sin. Now, to its discredit, the church historically has made the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah a sexual sin, and that is a lie. That is a lie. It's a sin that's been dumped on a minority of people to allow others to continue in their sinfulness. The prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 16, also calls out Sodom and Gomorrah. God's judgment on them, because while they ate plentiful and were comfortable, fat, and happy, they oppressed the poor. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is the sin of oppression and lack of hospitality to the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the stranger in the land. Isaiah is calling out our leaders, and he's calling us out for not living the dream of God. And it's shocking what he says. And it's meant to be that. Because we gather as the people of God, and we process into God's house, and we raise our hands in praise, and God says, put your hands down, they're full of blood. I hate your liturgy. I despise your music. Your incense are an abomination. And we go, what? But, but, but Lord, we're the faithful ones who, who show up and, and, and lift your voice in praise. And, and he goes, I don't hear you because your hands are full of blood. There is something seriously wrong. Something seriously wrong. <laughs> See, during the reign of Uzziah, Israel prospered. They were a powerful wealthy people. And yet at the same time, they oppressed the poor. They took advantage of the orphan and the widow. They didn't take care of the stranger at the gate. They weren't living God's dream. God's dream of everybody having a place and a purpose, everybody being cared for. They weren't living that. Some people living very well. Some people prospering. Political elites, church elites, hey, they're doing great. 
but they're doing it at the expense of the poor and the orphan and the widow and the stranger. And God has had enough. And he says that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And true to his word, right? That's what's happened to his people. Judgment is coming. We have these readings. Not that we can look at others and, and condemn them and, and judge them as God does, but we have these readings to make us ask of ourselves, how are we any different? Who is it that we oppress? Who is it we're ignoring? Will we enjoy the luxuries of life that we have? Who do we forget? God calls us out to. Just recently, communities in Mississippi ripped apart. Families ripped apart. Because some people in authority decided that imposing the law upon these people, poor refugees, doing society's dirty work in chicken plants who are already living in fear need to be terrorized and children need to have their parents snatched from them. God's heart is for the orphan that doesn't make more of them but that's what we've done. Shame on us. Amen. Shame on us. Amen. You see, the, the, the church is one body. One body. We carry that burden collectively. It's not just that I can say, well, you know, I didn't participate in that. Well, yeah, Bill, you did. Because you've been quiet. You've not said a word about things you know that are not part of God's We share responsibility as the body of Christ. We confess things that we've done and things that we've left undone. And as the body of Christ, when one part of that body fails to be the people of God, that's on all of us as the one body of, of Christ. We repent of things that others do who claim to be Christians. We ask forgiveness for ourselves for failing to respond. And we ask forgiveness on the body of Christ for the things that it does. Even if it means we're simply being quiet. Because in that quiet, we allow that evil to prosper. We've now had 254 or so mass shootings. And I know this makes people mad. Talk about guns, or you're going to get in trouble. But that's a highly sensitive thing for us. But we have to. And if people get mad, God says, okay, contend with me. Contend with me. Convince me that you're right. That we do nothing once again. <clears throat> Convince me that we're right. Contend with me. We can't be honest about why these things happen. But God is a God of life, all life. 
and the senseless slaughter that we allow happen over and over again because we are so afraid to say anything that we might offend people in church, they might leave and take their money. That we're just stuck. Shame on me and shame on us. Because this is not God's dream. Jesus asked us to raise our expectations, to not be afraid, to not be afraid. Everything can be taken from you because you speak out on behalf of God's dream. Don't worry about it. Because that treasury in heaven that you receive is greater than all this. God have mercy upon us and forgive us for our hard-heartedness and our failure to act. We're going to come to the altar in a little while. We're going to hold our hands out and receive Christ and ask God to bless us once again with his love, with his sacrifice. So we may be forgiven of our sins, but also that we may be strengthened, strengthened for the days ahead. And then we're going to pray as we close out. Would you turn to page 366 in the Book of Common Prayer? Somebody say, our worship has ended, our service now begins. <clears throat> because to be, be the people of God is not just to gather here on Sundays and raise our hands in Christ. To be the people of God means that when we're out there in the world, we are living God's dream. That all people may prosper and save. And now, Father, send us out. Send us out to do the work you have given us to do. 
love and serve you. And as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord.